0: So, we're in Luke chapter nineteen.
1: Welcome to Chu to Chuclapter nineteen.
0: Chuclapter nineteen. Yeah. Uh, so. we're st- how are we doing
1: on that professional podcasting bit?
0: We would not be ourselves <laughs> if we if we didn't have something to
1: well, At least I wouldn't be me.
0: That's true. Uh, I should say we're still in nineteen. We were in nineteen last week as well. Um, yes,
1: and we'll be in nineteen again next week
0: spoiler alert.
1: <laughs> we'll be at 19. Come back <laughs> see where we go.
0: Uh, so last week we talked about Zacchaeus and this week we are getting into another parable here that Jesus is sharing with everybody.
1: Yeah he's telling us a parable specifically related to Zacchaeus. It's funny because I never thought of this as being related to the Zacchaeus story uh, and I wouldn't know that except for Luke says it. So uh, <laughs> that it makes it easy. It does make it easy. So we see in uh, the end of the Zacchaeus story, in Luke uh, 19, 9 and 10, Jesus responds to Zacchaeus's repentance and the crowd's muttering by saying, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. We talked previously about how that relates to his faith, not to his, uh, to his earthly heritage. Uh, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Verse 11, while they were listening to this, so, in the, you know, it, immediately on the heels of this, while they're listening to Jesus say this, he went on to tell them a parable because he was near Jerusalem. We know that's where he's been headed. Uh, he's near to Jerusalem, and the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. So just a little bit of background. The expectation of the Messiah, this son of David, son of man as Isaiah might relate to him, uh, son of David as we see in, in uh, so many, uh, I said Isaiah, um, Daniel uh, refers to him as the son of man. Uh, Son of David refers to his lineage uh, and connection to the Davidic covenant that Mm -hmm. God had promised to always uh, keep this, uh, this line on the throne, David's line, and that a descendant of David would be the anointed one who would set up this permanent forever rule and establish the glory of Jerusalem. So their expectation is, when he enters Jerusalem, because they're believing now that he is this this promised king, when he enters Jerusalem, that's the time that the kingdom will be established. He'll take the throne, Mm -hmm. and he will literally overthrow Rome. Uh, Israel's zealots will rise up, and and we'll see this glory of Israel uh, take place. So he tells them this parable, according to what Luke is saying, to set straight their confusion. They believe, because of this, everything that they've seen, we've been seeing for for 18 plus chapters now, the authority of Jesus established. You can't get away from the fact that he is God and king in the flesh. Uh, He's demonstrated his authority over the physical realm, the spiritual realm, forgiving sins, healing people, declaring salvation for Zacchaeus. And it's, at this point, you know, earlier in, the, in early chapters, when he would declare salvation or, or pronounce forgiveness, we'd see this blowback that, that would happen. Um, not anymore. It's happened enough. Luke just moves on from that. There may have been some, some pushback at the time, but that's not Luke's point. He's pressing forward. So after this Zacchaeus story, salvation has come. Seek, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Not specifically to do what you think with this kingdom. So they're hearing, so you can save the lost. They're thinking in terms of establishing an earthly kingdom. As soon as he gets to Jerusalem, here we go. Let's get ready. He tells this parable to clarify that. And this parable is a story of a man who uh, who was born royal, uh, and then leaves after you know his time working here in his land. Uh, he leaves to a distant country to receive his crown, to go and be mm-hmm. crowned king. Um, and he leaves with his servants. He called verse 13, he called 10 of his servants and gave them 10minas, ten, ten which is uh, about three months uh, mean, about three months wages. So he gives each of them 10minas, uh, this chunk of money, and says, "Put this to work until I come back." Verse 14 is an interesting thing that, that sounds an awful lot like the human condition. His subjects hated him and sent a delegation to say, we don't want this man to be our king. So he's being rejected by those who, who should be on his side, should mm-hmm. be serving him. It doesn't say anything about him being a good king or a bad king, just that he's a king. He has authority, he has the right to rule, and the people are rejecting him. He goes away, he becomes king anyway, big surprise, and he returns now, if we hearken back to—I said hearken back, isn't that great? I like to say hearken back. If we hearken back to uh, chapter 17, Jesus spoke about the coming kingdom—that the kingdom of God would come. It's not like you think; it's not observable in the way you expect. He, so he's already I'm covered say, this here ground, it is, there it is. right? Yeah, you're not looking around for it. So oh, where's the kingdom? Uh, and, and yet, they're still, as he goes to enter Jerusalem, they're still looking for a physical, present, here and now kingdom. And he's saying it's a now and a not yet kind of thing. Mm-hmm. We're going to have it coming. So there's a sense in which it's inaugurated now because Christ has come to proclaim it uh, and proclaiming it as good news because he came to seek and to save. But when he returns, things will be different. So in this parable, we see that, you know, really kind of drawn out clearly for them. When I get to Jerusalem, it's not going to be like you think. Let me tell you what it is like. Here's this parable a man of noble birth, went to a distant country to have himself appointed king, then to return. He called ten of his servants. Gives them uh, money, says put it to work till I come back. <clears throat> his subjects hated him, sent a delegation after. They rejected him. Uh, he was made king, however, in verse 15, and returned home. When he returns home, he goes to settle his accounts. So he calls his servants to him, and, and the first one comes and says, sir, your has earned ten more. So you've got a tenfold return for your work, uh, and the master responds, now king, mm-hmm. he's always master, now he's coming, reigning as king, wearing the crown, and says, Well done, my good servant. His master replied, Because you've been trustworthy in a very small matter, take charge of ten cities. So there's a parallel to what uh, the scripture tells us about his return that those who are with him will rule with him, that we will reign. With him, So there's a, a, an additional responsibility and a granting of glory to this. You're, I'm making you governor of these ten cities right. because I gave you money to do work with while I was gone. You proved yourself faithful and rewarding that. The second doesn't do as well, about half as well. Five times the return on it. And it ha- receives no criticism. It's not like, oh, you didn't do as well as your, your buddy here. Still faithful. Um, so I'm going to put you in charge of five cities. But the third one says, "I really didn't trust your character, so I hid it. I just put it away. Here's your, here's your mina back. I didn't spend it. I right. didn't, you know, I didn't take from you. Um, so, I guess, pat on the back for Maybe. not being a crook at that point. But really, you are a crook because you're here to do a job. You're a servant, and you're not serving. You, you were assigned, and My you life failed. is so
0: unnerving for a servant who's not serving.
1: Brilliant, wonderful." <laughs> You're so good. Um, and so you know uses his own words against him in, in judgment. And again, uh, when we see this, he says, if you really believe that, why don't you at least put it in the bank on deposit so I can get some interest back? Clearly by his actions, he's demonstrating that his allegiance is not to the king. His allegiance is to himself, whatever else. Maybe he's thinking the king's going to get assassinated on the way and I'm going to get to keep this because right. I know where it is. Who knows what that is? But the, But the point of the parable is... <laughs> there's work to be done while he's gone if you're on his side
0: and he specifically says that at the beginning do this
1: do this <laughs> until I come back right so if I'm on his side I'm going to do what he said I'm right. going to serve right. especially because it's his anyway mm-hmm. none of these guys earned this money that they should do with it what they wish right. they were given this money by the king to do with as he wishes mm-hmm two of them do one of them does not the one who does not is treated as if he doesn't belong to the king at all and and he wraps up the parable by saying uh verse 27 those enemies of mine who did not want me to be king over them bring them here and kill them in front of me Uh, subtle yeah it's there's there's no question what jesus is saying here when he returns judgment will come it will be final it won't be hey you know you tried it it's not about the amount of work that you accomplish. It's mm-hmm. not about the effectiveness. You know, I'll never be Charles Spurgeon as a preacher. I'm not called to be, but I'm called to be faithful with what God has given me to do mm-hmm. in our setting, in our small church, in our small town, with our small but very professional podcast, uh, to be able to be faithful to the word to work for his agenda and not mine. And to the extent that I do that, I demonstrate that I belong to him. Those who love the kingdom serve the kingdom. Ergo, if I don't serve the kingdom, I don't love the kingdom. I don't belong to the kingdom. If I am not concerned with my obedience to Christ, I don't belong to Christ. So when he returns, those nominal Christians... Who And this is, again, enlightened by Matthew's account of the ten talents, uh, when the one who, this wicked servant, uh, who doesn't do anything with the talent, is tossed out and treated like an unbeliever and, and a wicked person and is killed along with them. Luke doesn't specify that, but it's rather implicit. Uh, it, it's it's really the point of this, is that you're either on my team or you're not. Right. And, you show that you're on my team by doing what my team does. And if you don't do what my team does, you're on the other team. And that judgment is final at the end.
0: We'll wrap it up there for today, but uh, I'm feeling we're going to get uh, heavily into this next week. Uh, it's a uh, pretty clear cut what Jesus is saying here, but I also feel like there's a lot of discussion to be had. So.
1: A lot to talk about, but it, yeah, you're right. It's... The parable has a point, and it's pretty clear.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Well, we will get into that next week. Thank you guys for listening.